We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Was not expecting that. On a Thursday, Drew, you always you you always keep us on our feet. Sometimes I I never know. Never know what kind of music I, I, right I mean, it was we were talking about T Pain like five minutes ago, and, and here we are with T Pain. Here's some Footloose, and now we got now we got some. I definitely didn't think Footloose. Nothing wrong with Footloose, but I wasn't expecting that. Hope everybody's having a good Thursday because frankly, the weather outside sucks. I thought I was driving in the Bay Area on the way to work. I was looking for the bridge to my left. I mean, it was ridiculous, foggy, foggy. rainy, all of that. But better weather on the way, and certainly everybody be in a better mood if the Chiefs handle business. On Sunday, and to talk more about that, we go out to the six ten hotline and welcome in our Chiefs insider, and of course, part of the Chiefs radio network. He'll be on the call Sunday on one zero six five The Wolf with uh, Dan Israel, Mitch Holtis, Josh Klingler, and players only tonight right here on six ten Sports Radio. He's the former Chief wide receiver, Dane in Hughes. What's going on, man? How you feeling? What's going on, fellas? It's AFC Championship Week for the sixth straight year. How are you guys feeling? <laughs> Great. Bad. Yeah, spoiled. I'm, feel, I'm feeling spoiled, Danon. That's what it is. I'm feeling yeah. a little spoiled. Normal. Honestly, I'm kind of used to it at this point, Danon. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, this is par for the course. It's, this is what has been set up for us during the Patrick Mahomes era. Doesn't mean we're taking it for granted necessarily. Doesn't mean that we're, we have any, uh, you know, we're, we're putting aside the Ravens like they're just some speed bump. But it does play into the fact that this is what we're accustomed to doing Patrick Mahomes playing into late January it's been it's been a blast I'm looking forward to this game this weekend what about uh what's your thought on mayor videos by the way them betting between each other Dane and pro or against I don't have a problem with it I think the Cincinnati mayor a little went over the edge <laughs> with some of the trash talk but as far as the betting got no problem with it putting something on the line it, it kind of is normal right now so uh, you gotta you gotta be able to show that extra support. Sometimes you gotta put yourself on the line to do so. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I got no problem with it. Cody and I were joking about that earlier. That's why he asked you about it. He doesn't really like it. He thinks they need to do that. Better Taking up thing. too much time, Dana. <laughs> got like 4K videos with drone videos. It's like a half day shoot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what what uh what about Baltimore though? Have you you been to Baltimore a few times, right? I mean, the, the Chiefs played there on Sunday night the last time in 2021. Yeah, that was a, a tough, tough environment. And you guys, I don't know if you remember, but if, if you watched what you guys did, but if the, the listeners watched the Netflix series quarterback, uh, I believe it was on that series where Patrick Mahomes was interviewed about uh, other venues besides Arrowhead Stadium. And he actually mentioned Baltimore as being a difficult environment, a very loud environment. I thought that was interesting back then that he had said that and now, Fast forward, what, six months, and we're going there for the AFC championship. So it's going to be loud. I think last week playing in Buffalo prepared us for this moment to some extent, whether it's the weather, which won't be a factor outside of some rain probably, but uh, the crowd noise, seeing how our offense was able to be efficient, more efficient than most of the season, even with all that crowd noise. And it was loud in Buffalo 
So I expect us, I think they set the tempo right now where I expect them to not have any hitches on offense. They, I mean, they were able to drive the field. Yeah, we, we kicked the, uh, you know, field goals at times. We didn't score in the red zone as often as you would like, but um, they seem to manage it well, which is very encouraging. What do you worry about from the run defense perspective? I know Buffalo obviously ran the ball really well against Kansas City and certainly Baltimore can too. But in a weird way, Danon, I feel like these teams who used to shorten the games against Kansas City get the wins are finding out that that's the way the Chiefs win now too. Like it's not, to me, it's not the same advantage as it yeah. used to be to shorten the game when you got to go 15 plays down the field. Yeah, true. I mean, we've shown that we can strike pretty quickly. I think they show that against the Buffalo Bills you know, running, you know, darn near half the plays that they ran and still having more points. Uh, but the fact remains is stopping the run against the Ravens is of the utmost importance. If anything else, it's stopping the run. I feel like if we challenge Lamar Jackson to have to throw for 300-plus and three or four touchdowns, that's, that's probably an uphill task for them and that organization. But – if you allow them to run for 160-plus and allow the play action off of that, that's the effect of the offense is that it's not so much that you're thinking he's going to throw for 300-plus and four touchdowns, but he could if you allow the run game to be efficient because that's where the play action happens. That's where the linebackers get into confusing positions as to whether to attack the offense, to, to attack the um, – the, uh, the line of scrimmage or to drop in that intermediate area where the tight ends and those crossing routes have been uh, effective for them. So stopping the run has to be a priority. We're talking to Damian Hughes, former Chiefs wide receiver, getting set for the game on Sunday afternoon in Baltimore. On the Baltimore side of things, we, we know about Odell Beckham Jr. They got a talented rookie in Zay Flowers. All signs are pointing to Mark Andrews playing, but their backup tight end Isaiah likely was really impressive as well. What do you make of the, the skill set there and the skill position players for this offense w- with the Chiefs defense who has been so good this year? I feel like it's pretty much identical to what we just experienced last week with those two tight ends and Knox and Kincaid. Those, those guys are pretty identical to what we're going to see this week. Isaiah likely maybe a little bit more athletic, but a little bit bigger tight ends that going into the game against the Bills, I thought it was going to be the toughest challenge that we would face because of how well they played the week before and um, just the threat that they are and they can be across the middle. Uh, Lining them up when you're moving Justin Reed up into the box to be effective kind of rover slash hybrid linebacker and then some of the issues that you would have with uh, who's going to be that other safety. Mike Edwards is still... Uh, in concussion protocol, Shamari Connor graded out phenomenally last week. Could be a guy that's going to see more time in the back end, but he's a rookie. So you just kind of wonder where that where that dynamic will be in regards to defending those two tight ends. Because Mark Andrews, even though he's coming back after a lengthy uh, injury, he's still a threat. He's still one of the top tight ends in the league, and Isaiah likely has shown that he can be very effective as well. Since we're talking about tight ends, I saw a couple of national reporters yesterday talking about Travis Kelsey and specifically about how Andy Reid had kind of referenced the fact that after that week 18 bye week that he got, that it seemed like Travis had his legs back. Does it look that way to you? Did Travis look like he was moving faster than he was towards the end of the season with all those nagging injuries? 
I think so. I think sometimes with Travis, because he's he works on improv so much, where he adjusts his routes, he's on the same page with Patrick Mahomes, uh, and it's not necessarily based on the playbook drawn up way that they run the plays, that you can sometimes get into your own head, overthink things, make adjustments where maybe you don't need to make adjustments, um, and so on. And I feel like maybe when you add that to some of the fatigue, you start to wonder, okay, well, his, his ineffectiveness might have been contributed to both of those things, not just the wear and tear. He's been an absolute Iron Man throughout his career here. So to expect him to be that guy coming in this week, especially after the plays that he made last week, those were full-speed plays. How, how often, outside of man coverage, do we, see Pat, uh, do we see Patrick Mahomes hitting Travis Kelsey in stride in the open field very few times man-to-man coverage you got to separate zone coverage you got to settle in certain areas certain windows but last week we saw him work much more fluidly I would say than we had seen in recent weeks so like this is this is where these guys want to be they want to be in this in this position they want to be the guys that are leaned on and Travis Kelsey knows all the attention or at least a lot of the attention is going to be garnered by that defense and the defensive backfield towards him, and he's going to take it as a challenge. And Patrick Mahomes is going to say, just like he's, he's done throughout his career, just because you're focusing on 87 does not mean that I'm not going to focus on 87. I'm still going to throw the ball to him because I trust him to beat your guys. This offensive line has played really, really well the last two weeks. I don't think it's a coincidence of why they are at playing as a team at the level that they are heading into this game. But we know Joe Tooney is dealing with a pec strain. There's one report out there saying he's unlikely to play. We'll see as the week goes on. If he can't go, it's Nick Allegretti, who I know is not a rookie. He's experienced. He's a fine backup, but he's not an all-pro. What does that do if, if Joe Tooney cannot play? How does that impact this offense? I think it impacts it just for that reason. Maybe there's a little slight, uh, little bit less confidence in Nick Allegretti because he's not the all pro, but he's been down this road before. He started in the Super Bowl. He's been around. You know, he to me, he's one of the more energetic guys. When you when they rotate in the extra lineman or he has to go onto the field. If you remember, I want to say it was the Miami game. Uh, it might have been the Cincinnati game, but definitely the Miami game. Uh, those last two home games that we had, um, there was a time where he was on the field where he sprinted 60 yards downfield to push uh, uh, one of our receivers. It was Richie James on a big play that he had down the field, and he pushed the pile. That's the energy that you need from that offensive line. That's what you get from Trey Smith or have gotten from Trey Smith. There's a little bit of extra energy where everybody has to catch up to your energy. And whether you're playing offensive line or you're playing defensive back, uh, you have to have that. If you have that quality, uh, that can be a huge asset for the entire team. So do we expect him to be the all pro Joe Tooney and protect as such? Who knows? But I'm sure that there's a lot of confidence in Allegretti. Dane, and last thing for me, because you played with a guy like this, uh, Benjamin Solak, he's going to join us in just a minute. I thought he really did a good job describing the fact that the talent difference between Mahomes and Josh Allen isn't significant, but that 1% difference between the two of them is what makes all the difference between winning and losing most of the time in all the championships. Joe Montana was that guy. There might've been guys who were close to him, but the difference between 
being 99% of Joe Montana and being 100% of him is a massive difference. What, in your mind, makes up that gap? I think it's about recognizing the moment and staying calm and cool. And Joe Montana, when I was in the huddle with him, you couldn't tell if it was first down and we were up by 30 points or if it was third down on a crucial two-minute drive. Like, everything was even-keeled, and it kept everybody else even-keeled. And uh, I think that's a huge quality, that you still have the drive, you still have the competitive fire, but you're not freaking out, and you're not affecting anybody in that huddle negatively. You're not yelling at anybody. You're not emphasizing anything more than it's just another play. It's just the next play that we have to execute. And when you watch Patrick Mahomes, his mannerisms on the field, he's relatively calm. Like the, the outburst that we've seen, the helmet throwing and the, the, you know, the yelling at the refs and all that happened on the sidelines. When he was on the field, when he got between those lines, he's pretty much even keeled, which keeps everybody else relatively even keeled. So that's the difference. And I think the expectation, like there's a difference between hoping and expecting and Josh Allen as great as he can be Justin Herbert you can name a bunch of quarterbacks it seems like they are hoping to make the play they seems like they're hoping to get into a a position to win Patrick Mahomes expects it he expects to win he expects to 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 thrive he expects to have an opportunity to put the team on his shoulders and make some magic happen All right, we had some issues there all of a sudden uh, with with Danon's uh, Did our phones phone just die? Yeah, I think it's hard because it won't even let me hang up. It still says on air. So something happened with our phone lines entirely there. I, I, I can't even hang up on him, but he's obviously not there. So we'll go ahead and pot him down and uh, figure out that. Uh, hopefully that gets resolved. Thanks, Danon. Uh, yeah, no, I appreciate Danon for his insight, but I'm not sure what happened with our phones. We were about done. That was going to be our last question, I think. And then hopefully we do have Benjamin Solak in, in 15 minutes. Hopefully our phones are fixed for that. If not, but appreciate Dayton. Listen to players only tonight. I know he didn't have a chance to, uh, to talk about, but players only tonight at six o'clock. I don't know who his guest is, but uh, <laughs> Dayton Hughes will, will I give a players only perspective usually has a former chief with them right here on 610 sports radio uh, tonight. I was lastly just going to ask him like, what kind of style of game does he think this is? I, you know, the total for the game is 44 and a half. I think it's lower scoring. How many points do you think it takes to win this thing? Because, I do think when you have the number one and number two defense, I mean, naturally, you look at that for starters. Then an offense in Kansas City that still, despite how they're playing better, struggled in the red zone. You know, Lamar doesn't have huge offensive outputs against uh, in, in the postseason necessarily. We mentioned the stat earlier on, you know, in, in sure. the show and, and where he was at. So how, how many points? I, I think you could tell me the Chiefs score 21, and I don't think it's like, oh, no, they have no chance to win. Like, obviously, they score 28. I love their chances better, but... 21, I actually think, could get it done because of how good this defense is playing. Because I think that that's the way – that tells you the style of game, right? How many points do the Chiefs need to score to win? I mean, at least 21. I do not think they're getting the 17-14 win. As much as I felt like there was a while where the Chiefs were playing that style of game, the Ravens' def- or offense is just too good for that. I respect the Chiefs' defense. I respect the hell out of the Chiefs' defense. They've only allowed – 27 points one time this year. They're the only team in the NFL to never allow 30. That includes Baltimore's defense. That is the number one scoring defense in the league. But they run the ball really well. They are strong where the Chiefs are weak. I think at least 21. I think realistically, if you said, give me a number of points that you think is a 80% or better chance of a Chiefs win, 
I think that number is 24. Because I think consistently this year, when the Chiefs get to that number, they're playing a complementary style of football that almost always equals a win. And I believe in their defense enough to think that they can hold the, Ra- hold the Ravens to that same range I was kind of predicting for Buffalo last week. Yeah, maybe Buffalo got a few more right around that number that we were all thinking they'd be in. But that, to me, is where I think the range lies. If you're saying 80% or better chance they win, 24. 28, I might just guarantee it. You told me right now that she's put up 28. I, I mean, I got to be, be honest. feeling incredible. They haven't let up 28 <laughs> points all year. Yeah, How could yeah, I go yeah. the other way? I mean, they, if, they get, if they score 28, they're winning this football game. But I, I think most likely this is lower 21-17, 20-17 type of game. And if that's the score, then it's truly a toss-up type of, type of game. I, you know, I think every sign, and as we said earlier, luckily – these aren't games you just plug into a computer and it kicks out a result. That's not how it's done. Because if it was how it's done, the Chiefs probably lose a majority of the time based off of their current injury situation and who the Ravens have been. And the Ravens blowing out all these playoff teams all season long. But fortunately, it doesn't account for Patrick Mahomes. I want to point out or mention one bit of breaking news in the NFL before we get to trash of the day. Uh, Panthers reportedly hiring Bucks OC Dave Canales. I believe that's how it's pronounced as their yeah. new head coach. That according to Adam Schefter, Panthers have offered the job and he is taking it. Quote, it will get done. That from Adam Schefter. Uh, not a name that anybody probably household name by any means. Maybe it becomes a name. It was not a young, name I was familiar young with. Young offensive play caller, 42 years old, has been in Tampa uh, for the last couple of years. Got just the best two, out of Baker Mayfield in his entire Actually, career. just one year. I'm sorry. Just this year. He was the Seattle Seahawks QB coach for a year, was the passing game coordinator. Then he was the QB coach. Had been in Seattle from 2010 to 2022. So he's been around the league a little bit, but has uh, been only a coordinator for one particular year. Uh, obviously, it was impressive what he did with Baker this year. And the Panthers, look, let's be honest about the Panthers' job. Um, it's not appealing. It's not as appealing. And that's not a knock on this guy for taking his dream opportunity. But, you know, this you got to take the job. It's not the best situation. But who else was interviewing? Honestly, I don't know. Was he getting many other interviews? I, no, Canals probably wasn't. According to some of the people I saw talking about it from a national perspective, said that maybe he was the next year's hot offensive coordinator okay. or two years away hot offensive coordinator. So maybe they got a year ahead of it. I will say this. If he's the quarterback coach, he helped bring Geno Smith's career back from the dead as a quarterback coach, and he helped bring Baker Mayfield's career back from the dead in Tampa Bay. I feel like that kind of fits the Bryce Young. And look, he's only a year into it. His career's not dead the way yeah. those other that two players just, were. That roster just has to improve so much. I mean, they, you, you know, yeah, in they Tampa, you had Mike. Get, their best weapon and then still. Yeah, I mean, know, credit him, but they had Rashad White and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin to work with. Right now, they got. Adam Thielen, who's not under contract anymore, and uh, exactly, exactly. LaVisca Chenault? Who the hell's on that no, roster? They drafted Jonathan Mingo, but he was very disappointed. <laughs> no, that's the I point. I think they had DJ Chark that's, on there, too, but he was DJ very Shark disappointing. DJ Chark was the other was, former Panthers receiver I was thinking. It's the, only, Jags. it's the only team a lot of times in the season we were discussing the Chiefs wide receiver room. It was like the only team we were like, huh, maybe I wouldn't switch with. It is one that was so bad. I don't even remember watching anything other than some like clips on red. I never accidentally watched like more than a couple of snaps of Carolina yeah. Panthers football this year. So if that hiring does come to fruition, then you're talking about three openings, Seattle commanders and uh, Falcons. That'd be yep. three left remaining. And uh, we shall see that everybody thinks Ben Johnson's going to get hired by the commanders. They're just waiting for the Lions season to end. Uh, for them to do that could end this weekend. If it, if the Lions were to lose by this time next week, Ben Johnson will be the head coach of the I think so. Washington Commanders. Trash of the day. Yesterday's was about 
an update on a case. This one's not an update, but it, it's a criminal one as well, unfortunately, in Philadelphia area, suburb, a suburb of Philadelphia. Okay. Where a man is accused of stabbing his neighbor to death. This is a bleak story. I know. I apologize. He had a long feud. Okay. The reason? His neighbor's loud snoring that could be heard through a wall connecting their homes. You guys remember just a few days ago, we were talking about Drew not liking what he was hearing from his neighbors. And too much noise and all that. This guy said enough. Snoring. I promise I'm not going to do that. And this guy allegedly murdered his neighbor. Removed a screen Uh from a window in the home. Opened the unlocked window while he was eating dinner. And after a verbal confrontation, stabbed him in the chest. What the hell? Yeah, it's messed up, huh? Just get some earplugs. Or move. Or some soundproofing on your wall. Uh-huh. Like, you know, by the, the cubes they put up in, like, record studios. Or move. It turns Don't out stab that... stab somebody. It'd be better to break your lease and pay that fee than go to jail for murder thank over you snoring. For, thank you, Cody, for explaining. <laughs> thank you. My God. <laughs> thank you for explaining that... Um, you How should murder someone. Thank you. Think about it, you know? Well, you got to be a little crazy. got to be a little crazy to begin with. To go to that limit. To, to have anything force, not force you, but cause you to, uh, to murder sometimes, somebody. sometimes, like, weird circumstances uh, can make you feel a, a little. Okay. Not, not, not a lot, Because there, there's yes. a chance, guys, if the Chiefs win on Sunday and go to the Super Bowl, we know we will go to the Vegas and Radio Row, and there's a chance that we would yeah. be sharing rooms. It didn't stop. You and I have had yeah. to share a room before, and... And whether I snore or not, has it prevented you from sleeping? No, I think so we were no both. Reason to threaten it's stabbing. one of those where I think both so exhausted by the end of the night that you know you just yeah. you're, you're out. You don't matter. Drew, do you snore? I don't think so. Well, I mean, has your wife? Your wife would have said something, right? She hasn't. She. Every, you don't snore, probably. Then. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know hundred percent if I, I do, but nobody's ever really said it, so I assume I don't. Right? Do you sleep talk? Huh? No. No. Some do people you? sleep talk. No. Oh, but my oh. daughter does. Oh, really? Okay. She'll like. She'll. She'll like borderline sleep scream. It's almost like, what's happening? What are you talking? So, what's going we'll on see in that. there? We'll, we'll, we'll maybe have some insight on that after next week. Someone does bring up a point. You know, poor th- this guy that just murdered that guy, does he realize that the there's people that probably snore in prison as well? Good luck with that. Yeah, also, you got to take a, you know, you got to <laughs> go to the bathroom <laughs> and kind of like point. other people. Like, you're yeah. losing all sense of oh, privacy now. Well, just, you, what, you, just yesterday you said it wasn't that bad. Yeah. Just yesterday, just yesterday Cody said prison wasn't bad. millions of dollars, not for just some guy snoring. I was thinking of so, a cost-benefit analysis. It's a someone says, different. wait till we turn 40, then we will all snore. Well, you're a couple years away. No, I'm sure I'll snore at some point. And obviously, when you're, I'm not talking about when you're sick or congested. When you're sick or congested, everybody kind of... You kinda... also might snore a little and don't know it because you haven't lived with someone. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, there's a decent yeah. chance someone's going to be like, you know, you snore all the time. Yeah. It's like crazy loud. And you're like, oh, no. Yeah, I haven't For had anybody... Real? I have not had anybody the, the next morning say, you know what? You snored a lot the night before. But... They're not going to say anything. Normally, they're not going to say anything. This goes back to the first impression thing with Jason Kelsey (laughs) yesterday. You wouldn't normally say that right away. That would be one of those takes a little bit of time situations before you address it. So that is the trash of the day. Up next, we get right back into the NFL playoffs, specifically Chiefs and Ravens with Benjamin Solak. He's an NFL staff writer over at the ringer. He had some interesting thoughts on Mahomes and Allen. That's next. If your day sounds like we need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through, you deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame, two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medella, the Markable Fighter. 
Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Chiefs Kingdom, this is Mitch Holtis, and welcome in to the Chiefs Red Half Hour on Cody and Gold, every day at 1130 on your official broadcast partner, the Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. It is the Chiefs Red Half Hour and our NFL playoff coverage on 610, brought to you by Twin Peaks, Eats, Drink, Scenic Views. Alex Gold, Cody Tapp, Drew Nixon with you here in about 15 minutes or so. We're expected to head out to Arrowhead and hear from Chiefs head coach Andy Reid. Also, at some point in the noon hour today, Patrick Mahomes. That's all coming up here on your official broadcast partner for the Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. But excited to head out to the 610 hotline and be joined by someone we had on about this time last year, right around the AFC title game, heading into the Super Bowl. And that is Benjamin Solak, who does great work over at the Ringer. He's kind enough to give us some time. Benjamin, it's great to have you back on. I just have to start and ask. And you can be honest with us. I mean, are you getting Chiefs fatigue? Are you tired of the Chiefs? Well, no, it is funny. I get to do this every year in late January. Right? <laughs> I got to put it in my schedule months in advance. That's right. Uh, I'm not. I like I like great greatness, man. I like great quarterbacks. I like Patrick Mahomes. He's fun to watch. I don't mind it. Certainly, if this were, you know, Josh Allen versus Lamar Jackson, would I be devastated by the quality of quarterbacking? No. Like, that's really good football. I think any sort of Chiefs fatigue is just an acknowledgement that the rest of the AFC is really, really good, and it kind of sucks that we never get to see as much of them as, as we would expect to. But other than that, like, uh, uh, Patrick, Andy Reid, like, I'm an Eagles fan. I've loved Andy for forever. Like, they're a very likable team for me. I, I got Patriots fatigue because I didn't like those fellas. So these guys are like, so I don't mind it. <laughs> Well, at least Andy helps you a little bit on that end. But when yeah. you when you look at these two teams, we actually both agree. We think the Ravens have the better roster. I know normally on the homer end you'd say no, but I can't shake the Mahomes part of this equation. How close are these two teams talent-wise in your mind? Ravens are better, uh, but the Chiefs have been here. They've been here quite a lot, right? And and, and the, 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 the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, they've earned that moniker where you don't really think you've beaten them until there's triple zeros up on the scoreboard, right? Like They're, they're a 60-minute team, especially in the postseason. Uh, and, you know, Mahomes has now lost, what, to one non-Brady quarterback in the postseason? It was Burrow in this game a couple of years ago. Like, it, this is a very hard thing to get done. And so, yeah, Baltimore feels great. They, they're the better team. They have them at home, right, which obviously everybody else has been playing. Patrick Mahomes has been uh, in, in, in Arrowhead, as we very well know. Uh, and so they, they're in a great position to win this game. They deserve to be favored in this game. They play unbelievable balanced football. They can run it. They can pass it. They can play defensively. They have a nice uh, defensive unit to deal with what the Chiefs are going to throw at them. Like, match applies. This is great for the Ravens. They should win this game. But this team's <laughs> on the other side. And so you're going to, you know, you, you kind of just, you have to remind yourself that, that uh, beating him is a rare thing and that you have to approach the week as such. I think that that's the way you put it in your article over at the Ringle this week, which is when you were comparing him and Josh Allen it's that 1% difference. When you talk to the people who cover the NFL, how do they describe that difference? Like, well, yeah, maybe they can both throw the ball as far or read things as well, but there's just something extra there that doesn't exist for any other person. How do the people in NFL offices describe that Mahomes factor? Well, it's, it's belief, right? It's reputation. Uh, it's, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of a, of a good example here. Like, I don't know when I, 
when I sit down to eat two hamburgers in one sitting, I believe I can do it because I've done it plenty of times before, right? Like, I know that I'm sure. physically capable of doing that. Put those two hamburgers in front of my wife, she's not even going to take a bite because she knows that ain't happening, right? <laughs> for the Bills and for Josh Allen, like, they've been in that spot so many times, nearly able to beat Mahomes, that the entire drive where they might take the lead, you're just waiting for the hammer to drop. And even if they do take the lead, Josh Allen connects on that second and nine throw to Khalil Shakir, Bills are up you still think a hammer is going to come drop because Mahomes has done this to you, right? And so there's, it's reputation, it's belief. It's the fact that, okay, we, we had the Wasp play, right, to beat the, beat the 49ers in the Super Bowl. So if we get to third and 21 with the game on the line, we can all look around in the huddle and be like, oh, I remember that one time we were here before. Wasn't that fun, fellas? Like the, the, you, you generate a reputation. You generate belief both internally and then externally from the way that other teams view you. The Ravens, like the Ravens have so many reasons to believe in Lamar Jackson and so much reason to believe in, in John Harbaugh and their team, but – Less than a calendar year ago, this team was debating the sort of contract they wanted to give Lamar Jackson. And when Lamar goes to put together a game-winning drive there in the playoffs uh, against, against Mahomes that he might do on Sunday, it would be his first one, right? He hasn't done it before. And so you, 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 you are in, in uncharted waters, and you're just not as positive, as certain as the Chiefs are, you're going to be able to get to the other side. So it's a reputation thing. We're talking to Benjamin Solak of the Ringer. We know the, the last two games here in the postseason, the Chiefs' offensive line, maybe two of their better performances – but personnel may be an issue with the Dolphins, and then the Bills is flat out. The, the Chiefs were able to, to attack some other areas on, on the defense. Now, going up against Baltimore, where you got someone with 13 and a half sacks in Matabuke, and then Clowney seems to be having a little bit of a resurgence now at age 30. With this Chiefs offensive line, when you look at what the defensive front is for Baltimore, how concerned should the Chiefs be? Yeah, the Tooney injury is big. Uh, and, and, and in the event that he doesn't play, Justin Matabuke, like you brought up, probably the best defensive tackle that nobody's heard of right now in the league, uh, a legitimate threat on the interior. The other thing is that Tooney, uh, uh, as a really smart and experienced guard, is just going to be able to handle and help a lot of the protection stuff, a lot of the randomness the, the Ravens throw at you. They'll throw the kitchen sink at you with, the, with their blitzes, and they loop, and they stun, and they twist, and they bring guys from depth, and they rush a defensive tackle and drop them into coverage. There's just a lot to deal with mentally. And it's always nice to have a guy who's, been starting next to Creed Humphrey. He's been starting with Patrick Mahomes for as long as, as Tooney has, as long as he's played, to go on the sideline and say, yo, when they're doing this, they're doing that. And when this guy's moving, this is happening. And even live as, as the Bolts are, are live, that guy will just feel a little bit better. Like, oh, this feels like this defensive tackle isn't actually rushing me. I wonder if there's a linebacker looping. Like, that experience is really beneficial to everybody in the line and to Mahomes. Uh, so losing him is, is a big deal there against Matabuke. And then we've, we've seen enough Chiefs game to know this season that that tackle is going to be an issue for them right they've had a rotation there and they've had injuries there they've had penalties at that position and then they've lost outside rushers uh, and like he's brought up Jadavian Clowney who's you know Clowney once every three years has 10 sacks this is one of those <laughs> one of those years man like he's, he's he, he looks great they, they they use him in a smart way and then they'll blitz off the edge as well and so they're gonna be able to get that edge pressure they're gonna be able to get Mahomes you know kind of land on that back foot and immediately have to go into scramble drill mode and they can win from the interior too so this is gonna be a huge game for Mahomes managing and getting outside of the pocket. This is not going to be the sort of game he had against Buffalo where he kind of just sits back there and dices them up. Like you said, they've been playing better, but I think against Baltimore, it's, it's going to be more of a Mahomes off script sort of a game. We just had a Baltimore guest on. He said he thinks their plan in Baltimore would be Kyle Hamilton on Travis Kelsey the entire time. Do you think that that matchup makes sense for Baltimore? Uh, I think that you'll see Kyle Hamilton over Travis Kelsey. I don't think it'll be an entire time sort of a thing. Uh, it's always really hard to shadow tight ends in general, like just structurally. That's really tough from a defensive perspective. And then I don't think Travis is the same player that he was when he was really warranting that, right? Kind of when the, those heydays of Travis Kelsey versus Derwin James in the AFC West. Like, Travis just isn't used as the same threat. He's not the same yards over the catch threat. He was just a little bit older, right? He's 33 at this point. 
Uh, and so I, I don't think that the Ravens will need to index Kyle Hamilton exclusively to Travis Kelsey. Hamilton is valuable to them because of the, the multitude of things he can do. Obviously, one of those things is I'm 6'4", I'm 215, I can run with a tight end. And so they're going to ask him to do that. But you don't want to take away the keystone of what has made your defense so good for so long, which is this versatility. They have uh, Kyle uh, Hamilton and Marcus Williams and Geno Stone, three safeties who can all do a lot of different things. And so they're not going to – I don't think they're going to feel like we have to go in game plan-wise and make sure Kyle is opposite Travis all of the time. Now, first half's over. Travis has 786 and a touchdown. They might go into halftime locker room and be like, all right, we're sticking Kyle Hamilton on Travis Kelsey, right? You can get there for sure. But I don't think that will necessarily do what they have to do, snap one, quarter one. What do you think about the running game for the Chiefs? We talk a lot about Baltimore, but the Chiefs have actually committed to it here in the last six or seven games. Can Pacheco, can the interior run game, can they take advantage of Baltimore that way? Yeah, Isaiah Pacheco is the most important player on the Chiefs. Don't get talked about enough. Uh, you saw when he was absent the way that they when, they when they couldn't methodically run the football, right? It was with Jarek McKinnon and with Clyde Edwards, the Larry John of the same in between the tackles presence. You saw that how that, that got them behind the sticks and really put the, the issues with their passing game in, in, in a nasty light. When they have Pacheco and they can stay in second and sixth and third and three, that's when this offense works. Uh, Pacheco is, is an excellent player. He is so valuable, and he's creating yards after the contact. He's making the right reads. He's good uh, catching the ball right. His receiving profile kind of lifted up there a little bit in the regular season. The, the win for the Chiefs this, in this game is an excellent running game. It absolutely is. And, and, and the Ravens have been t- uh, tough to, to beat in the running game, but you don't want to be put in a spot. Like it, it, Ravens defense coordinator Mike McDonald, he's got a little bit of like college to him, right? DC to Michigan. He's all about getting you into third and pass. That's all he wants. His whole goal in first and ten, second and eight, second and ten. If I can get you into third and seven, I can beat you. So they absolutely, unequivocally must stay ahead of the sticks. Number one responsibility is to not be in clear third and pass against this Ravens defense. They will kill you if you get if they get you there. They're going to run the ball a lot in early downs. They're going to be successful doing it, I think, because even if you have Tooney out, you can ask that line to fire off the ball. You can give that ball to Pacheco, have him be the engine of your offense. And then when you're in pass situations, Mahomes' legs, again, so part of that, that running game is going to be a big factor for them. But I think key to victory for them is Pacheco activated in the running game. That's how they win this. Lastly, before we let you go, just real quick on the NFC side, if you are one of the these two teams, the Chiefs or the Ravens, who, who would you still rather face? Because I know everybody before would have said, well, duh, the 49ers. Is that still... Is that still the answer, or if the Lions were able to pull off the upset, how dangerous are they? I want to face Detroit, uh, uh, and I've, I've, I live in Michigan. I've covered this Lions postseason run. It's been incredible. They're a great team. They're unequivocally a good team. With that said, no team in the league gives up more explosive pass than the Detroit Lions do, right? They live off of being, off winning high-scoring games by, by a score, and if they're able to survive the Niners, they probably do it with a Debo Samuel injury and with uh, a couple of turnovers and some short fields and some fourth downs from Dan Campbell. It probably takes a lot out of them, right? It takes a little bit of luck. They then get to a Ravens team or a Chiefs team where they're facing an elite quarterback, and you saw what Lamar did to this offense. Obviously, Chiefs in week one, not as good, but both teams are very different now from what they were back then. Uh, you saw what Lamar did to this defense. You can rip this defense up for, for explosive passes. Uh, I would much rather face them than have to deal with the Niners pass rush, deal with that Niners uh, passing attack, all those weapons. The lines are a lot easier for me to get my hands around. I'd want Detroit. Benjamin Solak, NFL staff writer at The Ringer. Appreciate it as always. And uh, if the Chiefs get the Super Bowl, maybe we'll have to try to get you on before the game. 
Yeah, take care, fellas. Good luck to y'all. Uh, uh, we'll see how it goes. There you go. That's Benjamin Solak from The Ringer. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak, and uh, does phenomenal work. Also, the, the NFL podcast for The Ringer. Uh, to his point, though, just about the, the potential matchups in the Super Bowl, there's already look-ahead lines. If the Chiefs were to play the Lions, they would be three-and-a-half-point favorites, and right now you could actually bet that. And if the game doesn't happen, it just voids out. If the Chiefs were to play the Niners, the Chiefs would be three-point underdogs. Uh, and once again, it'd be three straight games where Patrick Mahomes would be a dog, which signed me up for that, too. Look, I mean, they were in, in that case, they're in the Super Bowl having been a dog against Buffalo, been a dog against Baltimore, and then go into a third game as the Cody, underdog. That's, Cody, that's my life. He's 9 0 and 1. I or 9 1 and 1, I think. 9 yeah. 1 and 1. But that's Sorry. why Cody. On the road, he's 9 Maybe that's what it is. But yeah. also, like, to your point there, that's why these look ahead lines exist. And so, like, what people are like, well, why would I bet it ahead of time? That reason right there. I don't believe if the Chiefs beat the Ravens and they're playing the 49ers, I don't believe the books once again would give you the opportunity to at get three. three. Maybe points. it's two and a half. So, and, and if you think the Chiefs are winning on Sunday and you think they're playing the 49ers, I would be betting the Chiefs plus three right now Yep, because I don't think you're going to get a better number than that. No, because again, they're not going to make them, as you said, three-point dogs three times in a row in a game in which they've already won two road games in a row. All right, coming up next, we'll continue talking Chiefs football during their Chiefs red half hour. Thanks to Benjamin Solak. We're going to head out to Arrowhead and going to hear from Andy Reid, another update on the injury front and how things are looking heading into the game against the Ravens. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.